Hey team, welcome to The Offseason. The Offseason is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Welcome back to another episode of The Off-Season. It's been so interesting uh, recording these over COVID because there's all these technical glitches and over Zoom, so it's been such an adventure. This one is awesome. It's with Sylvie Tetro, and she is kind of, you know, an idol of mine. She's made it in the sports world, and that's definitely not an easy task to do. So she kind of breaks it down how she got there and all the accreditation that she's accumulated over time to make her the best at what she does. She works right alongside Gary Roberts, um, and she trains and is the nutritionist for some of the top athletes out there. Enjoy this one, guys. There's a bunch of information to pull that you can apply to your life, too. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, Sylvie. Welcome to the off-season. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Like This downtime has been a blessing in disguise for me because I get to talk to people that are, you know, so busy and have um, the Zoom conversations have been a game changer to uh, record some stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a it's a weird time. But also, I think you have to, you know, find the positives like connecting with people that that are busy and, (laughs) and just having those different conversations. So it's great. Yeah. How has uh, the isolation been treating you? Uh, You know what, I'm First and foremost, I'm an introvert, so I love being home and I, you know, love routine and everything. So there's, there's certain things that I just miss in terms of like going to a coffee shop, going to the gym, you know, seeing some of the people, obviously friends and family that I can't see right now. So I've been, I've been still working and and making the most out of it and, you know, continuing to sort of you know, work on habits and, and being health conscious all the time, because that's what I do. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make the most out of it. But I definitely, uh, I definitely would love to see some people. That's for sure. Give some hugs. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to that point now where I'm definitely missing the hugs or even just like, high fives in the hallway at work or something like that. So it's, we're getting there. But I mean, I see you doing all your workouts and uh, healthy meal prep and stuff like that. So you're staying on track, hey? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, obviously, there's been like, you know, wine and things like that as well. But it's, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you have a solid like foundation of what makes you feel good, it's just like kind of business per usual with that stuff. So I've been really trying to work with my clients with change in their schedule on, you know, dealing with being home all the time and and what that looks like. So, um, you know, I've been fortunate to kind of be home a lot, which is good. So I've, I've, you know, developed some things that work for me. So it's, it's uh, just passing that on. Yeah, definitely. Is there some huge tips that you've been giving to your clients about how to manage all of this? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like trying to stick to, you know, a regular routine that you would have done before this um, as much as possible. Obviously, there's some big changes like, you know, not going into work and having that that same routine. But, you know, even when it comes to like meals, instead of, you know, going off and just because the kitchen is very available, like, you know, trying to stick to your three meals a day and like making sure that you're at least getting in. Um, you know, specific amount of macronutrients throughout the day and, and supporting, supporting that. And then, you know, just making sure that you're really listening to your body. I think one of the worst things I've seen, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this is people kind of doing too much exercise and focusing too much on being like perfect schedule during this time. And as you and I probably both know, like as much as you try to go all out in the beginning, like it just, it will fail because you're trying to do too much and your body's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know, like you weren't doing all this before. So, you know, I think just, you know, telling my clients to give them, give themselves some, um, some leeway in their schedule, but also, you know, just stick to what is, is working for them and, and try to get as close to what they were doing before to, to give them that like, you know, sense of, of purpose. Yeah, definitely. I love that you brought that up to you because I'm even getting the messages now, like pulling out my bike or doing 10k runs and stuff. And now my feet are hurting. My Achilles is, you know, swollen now. And I'm just like, oh yeah, you're, you kind of overdid it right off the gate. So um, just being mindful of that is huge for um, yeah. everyone out there. Hey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like the overtraining right now and everyone's becoming runners and like all this stuff. And it's like, okay, that's great. But like, maybe not running a 10 K like day one is the best thing for your body on pavement. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's doing like two or three days and I'm just like, man, you barely worked out before and now you're doing three days. Like that's insane. Right. Yeah. And I think like one of the big things, and I reiterate this all the time is, as I'm sure you do is like, you know, that's stress on your body and we're going through a, a stressful situation. So it's still, you know, even though it's physical stress and it's a, it can be a good thing, it can also be a bad thing. And, you know, it, it, as you know, too much can suppress your immunity. So like in a time like this, you know, it's, it's a lot on people's body to be like, okay, and I'm going to work out five times a day and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, watch the news and do all these things. It's like constant overload of stress. <laughs> yeah. And anxiety is popping up left, right and center too. So a lot of the bulk of the um, questions I'm getting is how to, how to manage that. And yes, movement is so key in that, but again, not pushing your system to the point where you're freaking out, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I even had that wake up call over the um, over the weekend, like just hearing about the Nova Scotia shooting and, and like kind of, I was, I was just like emotionally drained and my body didn't want to train hard, even though that's what I had planned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think paying attention to that and giving yourself the opportunity to just, you know, do yoga or maybe just like some stretching or, or something that that serves you with with taking in, you know, additional stressors. So it's, um, yeah, it's just paying attention. Yeah, paying attention is the key to all of that and listening to your body. And yeah, it was another massive hit that Nova Scotia took this past weekend. And I think a lot of people didn't know how to filter those emotions, like one thing after another kind of. And yeah, it's so true. Just checking in with your body. Is that the day to pound it in the ground? It's a lovely commemoration piece. I saw a lot of the um, as many reps as possible workouts and stuff. And I love that piece of things. But also like, is is that what your body needs right now? You know? 100%. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, and it's a bulk of, you know, what, it, what I try to do in terms of coaching people is just really help them to get in tune with that as much as possible. 
Yeah. Um, so one of my buddies, uh, a hockey player guy, he, I told him about my, about my podcast and the idea behind it. And he's like, have you checked out this girl? And I was just like, well, what girl? And he told me about your podcast and he told me what you were doing. So I searched you right away and I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the girl that I want to hang out with. Like she's girl crush for sure. And you've Aww. kind of accomplished so much. And when I just look at your kind of background, it's, it's huge and it's exactly kind of the... Um, path or projection that I'm passionate about too. So do you want to tell everyone kind of how you got started in your, your past in sport? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so sweet. And I, I'm like so happy to hear that because I am, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I, uh, I didn't have a lot of like mentors and people when I started um, out in this industry, it was kind of like just discovering, um, you know, how to kind of pave my own way in an in industry that wasn't that developed back when I started. So um, to give you some background, I, I have my bachelor of science in kinesiology. I went to UNB um, and I kind of like, had no idea what I wanted to do at first. Like most kin students, I was like, I'm going to be, you know, a physio or, uh, you know, I, um, osteopathy. I looked into that. I looked into a lot of the, um, rehabilitation options in the beginning. And then I just fell in love because I was a, an athlete in university athlete my whole life. I fell in love with the prevention side. So I was like, convinced and, and so motivated to be um, a strength and conditioning coach. And at that time, I'm going to date myself with this was a long time ago, and it wasn't, wasn't really a career option. People were doing, you know, coming out of kin, it was all sort of, again, that rehabilitation piece, um, or even med school, like a lot of people were going into med school after kin degrees. So for me, I was like, you know, I, I know that it's going to be difficult, but I really fell in love with working out. I fell in love with, you know, how my body felt and changed after I started strength training. And since I was playing rugby, I'll never forget this. I was, um, we, we went to physical testing, like the first week of, of training camp and they were like, okay, we're going to do pull-ups. And I was like, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> are you just going to ask me to like, run some sprints or like, you know, test my conditioning and, and my fitness that way. And so I'll never forget. I was so embarrassed. I just like hung from the bar and I was like, oh, I just don't want to feel like that again. So I kind of like, and hence why I developed a pull-up program and I have feel so, so passionate about pull-ups, but um, but that aside, it just, it was one of those things where I was like, I need to pursue this because there weren't a lot of women doing it. And then also, you know, the prevention side, I just fell in love with like being able to coach someone to feel strong. Like I had felt strong from my coaches. And, uh, and so I did my CSCS out of university. So, um, so I could work with athletes cause I was so passionate about that. And, uh, and when I moved to Toronto, I moved here and I just wanted to get experience. So I started working in massive gym and I kind of worked my way up at the time I was 23 to, uh, to actually be a director of a health center. So I like ran an entire health club essentially and was like 23 years old and like what's happening. And I was making great money and I'm like, I made it, but there was just like something off. I was kind of like losing my own um, sense of like working with athletes and taking care of my own health and I had a ton of digestive issues at the time and lots of stress because I was 23 female and just basically running you know a, a gym with with 20 some trainers under me um, and so it was it was a very stressful time I, I mean I learned so much but um, I, I quit with no backup plan um, which I don't recommend for everybody, but I just needed to kind of 
have a reset. Uh, and then from there, I, I kind of researched like where to go next when it came to athletes and working with athletes in Toronto. And I went to hockey because hockey was, you know, obviously we live in Canada. And at the time I liked hockey, but I, I didn't know anything about like particular hockey players. I wasn't necessarily quote unquote, like a fan of, of particular people. Um, and I looked up Gary Roberts, who was kind of like an icon in Toronto and several cities, but I had to look him up. I, I wasn't quite sure who he was. We still joke about this today. Um, and I and I just pursued him and I was like, you know, I, I have this experience. I, you know, I'm so passionate about working with athletes. You know, I, I don't need to get paid right away. I just want to come and shadow you and like basically learn as much as I can because I want to work with athletes. And he was kind of like, okay, um, <laughs> I've never hired a female in this position before, which was not really an issue for me at the time. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But, uh, you know, I was just like, I just want to dive in and get as much experience as possible. So from there, I went, um, I went on to do my holistic nutrition and then I did my precision nutrition um, and now I'm finishing up my functional diagnostic nutrition so it's essentially just you know being able to run lab work interpret it for my athletes and and work with people like yourself um, in understanding like the further um, the reason, further reasons why they might not be performing well and feeling well. So um, that's sort of my background. I know I just spoke a lot, but it's like kind of that story of like, how did I get here? Yeah. But. Yeah, that's huge. And I think too, like a lot of people have been talking on this podcast about this um, internal drive just to go after what they want. And you get no's quite often. You get kind of, well, I've never hired a girl before. I'm not sure, you know, if you can hack it or fit in this scene and stuff like that. And I don't know if that was your experience, but um, the underlying theme is just like, keep going after it. Hey. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I get asked all the time, like about, you know, being a female in this industry and, to be honest, like I feel like one of the bigger big themes now with with females and in sort of like that male dominated industry is like if you look at it as a disadvantage going into it, it will be. And I just never looked at it that way. Like, of course, there were different challenges. And that's how I always frame it like different challenges, you know, maybe having certain um, athletes and stuff where you have to work a little bit harder with to, you know, prove yourself or, or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I feel like I, I really made a decision in the beginning because I wanted to be in this industry so much that I wasn't going to look at it as a disadvantage. I was going to look at it as, you know, this is an opportunity for me to actually be someone different to these athletes. And, you know, if they haven't had that female figure in this role, I can actually take those female qualities and, and, you know, make it an advantage instead and you know that's what i really focused on like whether or not it was like just coaching and having that like different perspective than maybe some of um the like more alpha males in our in our coaching industry like i just i took that approach i didn't try to be them um and i think that was the biggest thing for me to make me you know successful in that area is that i i really just was like okay this is who i am i am female i do have maybe some of these more masculine qualities which which i can you know obviously fit in in certain ways but also i'm going to use my being feminine to to my advantage and i think that that you know i that's something i always tell females you know who who are approaching getting into this is you know just be yourself and like if people don't accept you because you're a female you don't want to work in that environment anyway 
Yeah, that's such a massive comment and something I, I love to speak about too, because um, I think a lot of times uh, the whole goal for the past few years has been to like mimic what males are doing to get ahead. And I just don't believe that that's the way to go because there's so many attributes on the feminine side that would make a world of difference for an athlete too, or m make a world of difference for anyone, but even maybe like tapping into um the mothering nature of an athlete a little bit more and getting them to open up a little bit more with you can can just open up such a world of what potentially they're specifically missing versus that harder faster stronger grind that a lot of the alpha males kind of put out hey totally and and that's what it's about you know i've taken i joke all the time with my hockey players that i'm like their big sister or, the, or like the mama bear because like yeah, like they will have certain things that they'll come to me about. And especially being in, in something like nutrition and, and health and you're looking at, it's not just like, okay, what did you eat today? Like, like their stress, their sleep, their relationships, like you're talking about so many things about their life that, you know, it, it does, you know, it is a benefit to have sort of that like motherly nurturing nature come out in those situations so like I said I've, I've used it to to look at it as a positive and and I think that that's you know one of the big differentiating factors instead of going in and looking at it like okay you know since I'm a female you know this 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 and this it's like no because I'm a female I'm going to approach it this way and bring out that those dominant features because it's an advantage yeah, I love that. And I hope everyone, all the females out there are listening. It's not like a mimicking game, right? It's more so like a lot of people, yeah, I did a post about this the other day about um, wearing high heels. And obviously, there's nothing wrong, like rock them if you want to. But the origins were for women to be taller to kind of like, meet men in the in the face a little bit more and it's more so like be yourself going in there not trying to like mimic the the male stature or anything like that just because there's so much that we have to offer um that's different but still just as important to um you know the training and performance of an athlete hey 100 percent, i couldn't agree more and yeah that that's like such a good point it's, it's, you know, we don't need to try to be like them. We can bring out again, our qualities and, and really shine in those positions. Yeah. So when you kind of met up with Gary, like he's doing his own thing and has, you know, been working with athletes for a really long time. What was that transition into everything like, and what did it look like for you? How did you become kind of a strength and conditioning coach? And then when was the switch into nutrition for you? Yeah, so I started off um, working for him, like, as I mentioned, I shadowed and I really took on like the assessment role. So my background, I love data and I love um, like kind of interpretive work. So like looking at how a, a person moves and, and assessing them. And um, I was like, at the time, I did my um, Poliquin Biosig. Do you remember that? Yeah. So I like was learning how to do, <laughs> how to do all the body fat and like what that connection to certain hormones in your in your body was. And so I was really diving into that stuff at the time. And um, so I was very interested in the recovery piece, but I still wasn't. You know, my 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 main passion was still like the the strength and conditioning and really understanding people's bodies and how they're moving. So for the first like three months, I kind of shadowed, um, his name is Lauren Goldenberg. So he was the head strength coach at the time, as well as Gary and Matt Nickel actually was, was one of those as well. So he's a strength and conditioning coach and the creator of BioSteel, um, who, who those have been like sort of some of my big mentors in the field. And, and, um, fortunately they just let me like ask them a ton of questions. I was like that annoying girl that was like, Hey, what about this? And, and so 
Um, so I just like shadowed for a very long time and, and really got to, you know, develop sort of my role as like, I did a lot of the assessments at the time. So I took like my, um, my uh, FMS, which is like a functional movement screen. So I did that, like I became, you know, sort of that person to do that. I was doing the body fats. Um, so I was getting like a, a feel for the calipers to do, to do some diagnostic uh, work in the beginning. So I was just trying to like find my role in the beginning. And I, I thought that assessments and coaching was something that I was, I was really good at at the time. So, um, so I, I, I worked for Gary for two summers. The second summer was when I started my nutrition. And I just, I actually had a major back injury and I was, I, I had to heal and kind of have a big wake up call with like, my body is not as resilient as I thought it was. Um, I'm working so much. I'm like pulling, you know, pulling plates off of bars and not paying attention to my own form and skipping my long warmups that I recommend for the athletes um, to kind of work and just like dive into all of that. And then when I was forced not to work with my back injury, um, the nutrition and recovery piece just became like everything. So I, uh, you know, although strength and conditioning is still my passion, obviously you see like I do it every day. I love it. I still coach. Um, but what what happens in between those training sessions became, I just became obsessed with. So I went to school the second summer I was working with him and I did it during working, during the time I was working with him. And I did precision nutrition at the same time because I wanted to understand a little bit more about, you know, macronutrients and exercise. Um, so I did those, um, that would have been seven years ago now, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look back, just forward. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Um, the holistic nutrition program, like, I don't know if a lot of people understand what the program is or what does it entail. So do you want to share your experience on it? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from obviously Nova Scotia, the Valley for everyone out there listening. Um, and my parents were your classic hippies. So like, I fortunately grew up um, kind of eating very healthy and you know obviously I was a kid so I had sugar and did all those things but we used to go to the farmer's market every you know every week and you know there was it was farmland so like literally like I you know I remember the fish and lobster being caught and you've seen it and it coming in on the tracks and so um, you know I kind of always had that natural approach to to um, nutrition and and sort of not as much just like calculating you know calories and that type of thing is what the, the program that we focused on in, in university was sort of like that, that calorie counting and like very basic nutrition information. Um, but for me, I really wanted to know like how all of the systems in our body interact with each other and sort of look at that from a whole food perspective and understand the biochemistry behind it, which I had taken in university. I was very interested in that at the time. I was terrible at chemistry, but, but I really thought biochemistry was interesting, which is funny but uh i i just really wanted to understand sort of like how okay if our you know if i have fatigue like what's going on at the deeper level is it like my hormonal system you know is it like why do my why do my joints ache like all of these things i was just so curious about so when i found holistic nutrition um the course really focused on taking all of those systems and approaching it holistically and not necessarily just trying to look at symptoms and what's going on like from a surface level and, and kind of just like okay if you're having you know these symptoms just take this one supplement or um you know just have this food or cut this food out. I really wanted to understand the whole picture. And so holistic nutrition, the, the course really was an introduction to taking all of those systems and understanding, you know, how they work together, 
And just coming up with, again, like a simplified, um, basic, you know, nutrition and lifestyle plan that would help someone to get the foundation of eating properly, because we, we really kind of went away from that as a society of like just basic whole real food. So that's in a nutshell what holistic nutrition is, is looking at the whole body, looking at all of the systems and making sure that we're kind of breaking it down to you know them feeling optimally and what, what's going on from all of those systems as opposed to just one at a time. Yeah, it's such a great foundational base to understand, you know, the holistic approach to food, I would say. And um, I think, I hope we're coming back to kind of that holistic approach to food. I start to see it slowly and slowly. And then if it fits your macros, hit the scene for a bit. And I think that's hopefully dying out a little bit now. And a lot of the things that I see on Instagram are like, kind of bypass or there's really set in that calories in calories out aspect but it's it's really not about that it's more about like the micronutrients and macronutrients and making sure you're hitting targets and and making sure you're you're getting what your body needs to function at such a high level of sport hey Totally, totally. And, you know, I think it's, it's funny because there's, there's both thoughts, like there's people who say calories don't matter at all. And it's like, well, it does, we still have to pay attention to it because it's a, it's a measurement um, and macronutrients still, still, you know, they're important, but it's like how those macronutrients are affecting all the systems in your body and the ratios of it and those types of things. So it's like, you know, we can't just look at one measure in nutrition because our body's so complicated and be like, this is the one measure that, you know, you'll lose weight or that, you know, you'll, you'll gain muscle mass or you'll increase your performance. It's just, it's never just one thing. And I'm, yeah. I know you, I'm preaching to the choir with you. So <laughs> definitely, but keep saying it. Cause this is, I love when, you know, people who have been doing this for a really long time are saying the same things because it's what I talk about with athletes day in and day out. And another thing that I think gets missed quite often is the recovery piece. So people are going as hard as possible all of the time. And I know you were kind of uh, in that recovery expert realm. So what are your kind of tips and tricks or what is your um, steadfast rules for recovery? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, recovery is everything. I am, as I mentioned, I kind of like, I've I've been guilty of like going so hard in in training and sort of pushing my body to those limits and thinking more is always better. And, you know, like suffering from sleep and sleep disturbances and, and having high stress and not connecting those things. Like I, I've kind of gone through it all. I've gone through the injury process. I've had way too many injuries I, I want to care to admit to. Um, but it all like, you know, there were some light bulb moments and it wasn't just one, but it was that, that progression for me of understanding, okay, this is coming down to how my body is managing stress. And so when we look at physical exercise, obviously it's a version of stress. And if you look at athletes, particularly like they're, they're at that highest level of physical stress. And also they have a lot of mental and emotional stress too. So like, you know, the, the, pressure of performance they're performing at times that aren't optimal like in the evening when their body's supposed to be winding down so you know these were the things that i was seeing and i was like when i looked at the health of an athlete it was very different from then just looking at the performance so that they were really struggling with like that in-between period and even though they were like eating healthy there were so many other factors to recovery that that you know weren't being we're, we're not the forefront of their plan in between. Um, so, you know, I, I talk about three factors when it comes to recovery and, and we can kind of get into them. Um, the first one is, is sleep. And this is something that I took for granted. And I've really like, I am such, I'm such a like sleep snob now. I'm like, like, it's like the number one thing that I pay attention to. I like 
I'm very, like when I don't get good sleep, I don't train hard. Like I, I'm, I've made that connection finally, uh, but it took a really long time and I, I've never been a good sleeper. So why it's the number one health pillar. And a lot of the times, even with nutrition, if someone isn't sleeping well, I won't go into this elaborate nutrition plan because I really just need to focus on that pillar first, because as you know, you know, they're not going to be even like their, their gut health and their hormonal system and everything is not resetting. They're, they're literally going to be fighting against their body to recover if they're not sleeping. And so that's sort of the number one thing I focus on. There's a book, I'm sure you've read it um, by Matthew Walker, the why we sleep. I, I love that book. I think like, you know, everybody should read it and, and like take at least a couple things out of his sleep hygiene. So, you know, even just prioritizing like winding down in the evening and, and having that wind down routine. And it looks different for everybody. You know, mine isn't the same every single night, but one thing I do is I like stay off my screen at least an hour before bed. And that's like huge for me. Um, and then I really focus on sort of that wind down routine. So I read Harry Potter before I go to bed. I like read fiction. I try to like do things that prioritize sort of that wind down routine. And I didn't do that before. I was like high stress, looking at my computer, um, you know, working all the time and getting up at 4 a.m. And, and kind of losing that like deep sleep that's so important that, that I didn't really realize how important it was. So, so sleep is like the number one factor of recovery. And then obviously nutrition is the next factor. So if, you know, someone's sleeping well and, and uh, you know, we've, we've done some areas with that in order to help them sleep, I'll look at what their nutrition um, looks like. And I'm looking at these together. It's not like, a, you know, you just have to focus on the one thing. I will obviously give them some recommendations, but with re nutrition, there's some, you know, obviously some recovery uh recovery um, stars, but in, in terms of like nutrition, I always just start with like a foundational, like whole foods plan. And so I look at, you know, obviously what's currently working for them. Um, I look at their compliance with nutrition, what they've tried in the past, um, you know, and just making sure that we're really highlighting, you know, a basic plan in the beginning so that it's doable for someone. If I'm throwing a bunch of different things at somebody and supplementation, it's just not going to work. So Nutrition is very highly individual. It's going to depend on the person, the athlete, whoever I'm working with. But um, the, the biggest thing there is that I'm, you know, coming up with basic foundation and, you know, it can be as simple as like balancing blood sugar and being more conscious of that and getting enough protein in their diet. Um, and again, it's just going to depend on the person. So then nutrition. And then the last factor is lifestyle. So what they're doing, you know, with their mental, emotional stress, if, are they seeing a chiropractor? Are they getting massage? Are they getting acupuncture? Are they doing all these things in between their training sessions to optimize their performance. So um, I call it lifestyle because there could be several things. Um, it's even just like managing relationships and what's kind of going on in their life that's going to affect their performance. So kind of looking at those lifestyle factors. And so I use sort of like a readiness to train or a, 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 um, a graph to, to kind of see if they if they're ready to you know go hard and so i use a green yellow and red system so it's essentially like if it's a green day like that means you got great sleep your nutrition score was good you're hydrated you know your lifestyle like you have low lower stress levels and a little checklist that i go through and that's like, go ahead, like go for a good training session. You're feeling great. Mentally you're, you're on yellow would be like, okay, I didn't sleep well, but like, you know, my nutrition was really good and, you know, I have great energy, my mood's good. So like, I'm going to do the workout, but I'm not going to go for any PRs or, or like go all out. 
Um, and then red is like, hey, like just shut her down or do like recovery. And that's like, didn't sleep, nutrition was crap, just feeling all over stress. So, so I kind of use that as like, a, you know, again, a, a uh, checklist to see where someone's at with their nutrition, with their recovery. And so recovery could, could look, you know, obviously very individual as well. And, and every plan should be individual, but it's kind of a way to check in with yourself. Like, if you're an athlete and you have a game, you need to go all out. That's not, you know, that's not an option, unfortunately. It needs to be a green day. But checking in with your body that day and seeing what you could do differently, like how could I make it a green day? Okay, so like, you know, I was up really night, late last night on my phone and I could, you know, instead I could, could focus on, you know, again, that sleep routine. Or maybe like my nutrition wasn't great. What could I do to improve my nutrition? So it's just, again, that awareness piece where people are checking in. It's like, how did I recover? And recovery is all the time. So recovery is not just, you know, I, I talk about this. I'm like, it's not just like the hour after. It's literally all the time. And so it's like, obviously during your workout, it's, it's um, after your workout. It's, you know, obviously around games. I, the whole time that you're not training, or, or have any performance, you're recovering, right? So that's that's sort of like my approach to to a recovery plan. And, and so when I talk about like being a, a nutritionist, I'm really looking at like all of the aspects of someone's recovery plan, not just again. And I, and I look at their training plan too. Like I get them to send me their training plan and I'm like, whoa, whoa, like I need to talk to your coach. Is like, and I, and I try to do that. I'm fortunate that you know, my partner is the head strength coach um, of, so like we have a lot of communication on, on how our athletes are feeling, obviously, but sometimes they just need a, like, you know, I know this is in your plan, but your body is telling you something different. Just like I use that example personally of me, you know, over the weekend, it's like, you know, you have to be able to adjust, especially if it's in the off season, you have some leeway in season is harder, but you know, using that awareness and, and getting to know your body and how it responds to, to recovery is like the number one piece that I see, you know, high performance athletes just stick out from being, you know, from performing well and, and really struggling. Yeah. You just hit a gold mind of information there. I know. I just um, talked a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. And I hope everyone can like replay it and listen again, because um, everything that you just said, like what, you know, all of these players trying to make it, they can all skate, they can all stick handle, they're all the greatest on their team, you know, but what sets them apart from being able to, you know, complete a season in the NHL is the recovery processes, right? Or any high league of, of sport, it's, it's all how you recover and how you prepare for the next big event you know so like everything that you just said even for sleep I mean that's uh, I'm glad you put it as number one because I do as well even if you're not sleeping well the next day you're going to make poor food choices and you're going to want to eat more and you're going to go off your plan that way and then for nutrition exactly like you said there's so many like what if they can't even cook and we're giving them plans for meal prep and they're like I don't eat, I don't know what any of this stuff is right so maybe their plan just looks like the best um meal delivery options for them that fit their macros you know 100%. and then yeah and the lifestyle piece a hundred percent I feel like a psychologist a lot of times and I'm sure you do as well it's more about like what their girlfriend did this week or what their boyfriend did this week that uh is impacting them or, or swiping on tinder is taking up a lot of their time before bed right 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's looking like I feel that way too. And, and especially going into, you know, being a strength coach and being a coach for the last 12 years, it's, it's been that it's been like, let's talk about what's actually going on. Cause like this workout is not important right now. If, if you have all these other stressors, you know, so. Yeah, that's huge. And, and you'll, you'll see it in the athlete too. Like once you get to know them, you're like, okay, buddy, like what's going on? I see you're not yourself this week, or I see what's going, or I see you're different and you're not acting the same or, and then when those nitty gritty pieces come down, like, are you still having fun? Are you still enjoying this sport? Like, is there so much pressure on you that you've lost your motivation to play? And if so, like, that's another massive question. Right. And I find like some of the strength and conditioning coaches are like, you're not giving me your hundred percent. You're not doing what I need you to do. Or even coaches on ice are kind of like, I'm, you're not performing anymore. You're going to get benched, which then impacts the mental health again. So there's so many variables that go into this. Hey. Oh my gosh, so many. And so that's why I say, you know, yeah, like first and foremost, I'm a coach. Yes, I'm a nutritionist. Yes, I'm a strength coach. But like at the end of the day, it's like I'm just coaching people to, you know, live their life in a way that they can perform well, whether they're like the highest, you know, caliber of athlete or they're just like a mom who like wants to keep up with their kids and just like feel like they're performing in their life. Like it it doesn't matter what area, it's just like looking at that you know, okay, what am I, what am I doing to optimize this and the situation as much as possible? And, and, you know, people do put athletes in this spotlight of being, you know, superhuman and, and it's like, no, they have same problems that we have. And, you know, they're different in the sense that like they're performing in a physical way, but you know, they're very similar problems and, it, and they still have to take care of their health first and foremost, not just their performance. And, you know, I know we've talked about this and you've mentioned it in your stuff, which I absolutely love, but just, just separating that performance piece from looking at like your health, you know, and sometimes the performance piece needs to, you know, take a, take a back seat to taking care of some health pillars that, you know, aren't, are, are just going to be nagging and, and an issue for a long time for the performance piece if they don't pay attention to it. So yeah, that's so massive. And um, I had Fergus Connolly on a couple of weeks ago and um, he was saying, yeah, he's amazing. And he was saying exactly what you're saying. Like the, the health of an athlete would be every impact for them to be able to play the sport for longer. And we always see athletes and say like, oh, they're rich. Like who cares if they even got injured, they have money forever. And that's really not the case, right? Like, yes, it's a luxury to play your favorite sport and get paid for it, but it's still a job. And there's still, you know, taxes that come on with all of the money that they're making and, you know, lifestyle stressors of getting traded and moving and trying to keep a family together. And so um, I love that, you know, more and more coaches are starting to look at the health of an athlete versus optimizing performance and just using them for like a year or two, you know? Totally. And, you know, that is such a good point because it is, you know, looking at them as a human, as opposed to like this, again, robot who just needs to go out there and perform. And the window is very short that an athlete plays the sport. And a lot of people don't understand that. And they're like, must be nice. Um, but they're, the, the amount of stress and the amount of physical stress that they're putting on their body, mental, emotional, moving their families around, you know, different cities, all of these things, you know, again, and, and I'm not trying to say, you know, poor athlete, because you know they're fortunate to get compensated the way that they do for for what they do but it's it's because there's there's a high level of risk there and you know I just want to say that because I have a huge heart for you know these professional athletes who are who are performing for us and you know we we again kind of see them as these robots and that's why I have like zero space for people you know who don't know the athlete or, or know their story or know what they're going through so yeah. anyway 
Yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. And yes, it is fun to play sports for a living, but there's so much that no one understands. And like, I'll be with, you know, watching the game with some guys and they're chirping. And I was just like, man, you didn't even get to junior A. So like, how could you say anything about this athlete, right? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I just like, it's funny all over here, the conversations and like bars and stuff. And I'm like, I just got to know, especially if someone I know, I'm like, I just got to be quiet because I don't want to get in a fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and it's just that big hearted side of things too. You just want the best for your athletes. And I think that's another difficult conversation too, when the best sometimes looks like um, stepping away from some exercises or stepping away from a game that's the most difficult thing that I ever struggle with is to ask somebody to back off a little bit what do you what's your take on that yeah absolutely it's 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 so tough and a lot of the time you will get you know obviously that resistance because athletes are you know they're very strong willed in a lot of ways and they want to perform and they, you know, I, I can think of a particular athlete who was going through some rehab and, and it was like, he just always wanted to do more, but it just wasn't appropriate for his, his progress. And, you know, the, I think if you, if they understand that you have that, their best interest at heart and you have a relationship with them and you're able to say like, I'm, I'm being honest with you because I care and I care about your future. It's, you know, they will get it and they will back off. It's just like, it's all relationship building. So when someone trusts you and that's, that's the business that we're in, it's, it's trust and it's, it's, you know, having difficult conversations and, you know, kind of standing up to these athletes in a, in a lot of ways, because a lot of people don't in particular situations, they have a lot of people who do a lot of things for them um, because they're, you know, obviously um, professional athletes, but, you know, if you, if you do have, and I think that's, again, like one of my rules is, is I was like, okay, I need to stand up for what I believe in. And at the end of the day, I believe in supporting their health. And, you know, so if I look at that as my main motivation, having those difficult conversations are just like, Hey, like you need to do this. And these are the reason why, and I know you're going to fight me on this, but it just needs to happen. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And it's I, like, it's tough for sure sometimes, but again, that foundational approach of like, you care so much about their health that really it's almost easy to say in the end, cause you know, in the long run, it's going to make such a difference to their ability to play longer and better. 100%. And that's what I always say, you know, yes, it's amazing that you're a professional athlete right now, but you know, I'm, I obviously want you to perform right now, but it's, it's, what happens afterwards too. And I've obviously worked with Gary and seen what he's done afterwards. Like, you know, for those of you who might not know, he, you know, he re rehabbed an injury, changed his lifestyle, came back and played another 12 years in the NHL and played till he was 43. And so like, you know, he's been obviously my major mentor and just like, knowing that it's like this stuff actually does matter and it actually it matters for what you do when you do actually retire too like being in a good space health wise and like being able to deal with that transition in the way that is healthy and that you're supporting your you know um mental physical emotional all of that you're 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 able to come out of that and and you know be strong and adjust to it um when that does happen yeah, I always talk about that with the athletes too. And like this piece of informed consent, like you're demolishing your body right now to be able to optimize performance. And that doesn't equate to longevity, you know, so how do we totally. fix that, right? Or how do we make it the best possible scenario for you? So when your sport is over, you can, you know, live a healthy a into 
whatever year you want, you know? Totally. And that, you know, I, I know I, you've talked about this before and, and that longevity piece is so important in, in taking that, like, okay, let's meld the performance and, but also, you know, know that longevity is, is a huge motivation to, you know, do all of this. It's like, what are you going to continue to do after this? Um, so yeah, that's such an important part of like this health building process. Um, do you treat, uh, I guess, like have clients that are both female and male, or do you mostly treat male athletes or does it matter? Yeah. So I have, I have a lot of male clients, I would say like predominantly male. Um, but I have been fortunate to have a girls, um, hockey group that I've worked with for the past six summers. So it's small and it's like, it continues getting me in the gym and coaching. And I, um, I love it. I, I like, I've dealt with some, um, especially from the, um, nutrition perspective, I have a a lot more female athletes than I've had, which I'm so pumped about because it's something that's new and and challenging for me. Um, but in a way that like, I've, I've been, I always see Emma woman and have gone through this stuff, Um, but it's, but it's in a way of like, I get to, you know, again, like have a different approach. Like I know this is an expertise of yours, but you know, talking about how women should train around their cycle and what they should eat. And like, you know, just being aware of that stuff is something that like, as a young athlete, like I did not have any of that information. And I definitely, you know, could have avoided maybe some, major, uh, major issues with my training and recovery and all of that, if I had paid attention to those things. So I'm very fortunate that I've, I've started to build that up more. Um, but being in hockey, I would say still predominantly male. Yeah. And I think like I, everyone always asks like, oh, your clientele must be mostly female athletes. And, and I love that population, but I really love working with male athletes. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know, some, a little bit of a cop-out on my part, because it's a little bit easier. I feel like we're not, you, we don't have to deal with all of the hormone fluctuations and there is hormone fluctuations, but not to the extent um, that female athletes have it. But um, for coaches and stuff like that, and when you're training girls versus guys, do you have any like tips on um, how to go about doing that? Or do you have any tricks of the trade versus male versus female kind of? Um, you know what, I, I don't necessarily look at it as, as a, um, you know, a sex thing. I think my biggest thing is always just like get to know the athlete individually. And, and the reason I say that is because like, you know, I, I don't always change. Like, I think with girls, the biggest difference is like getting them to stop talking during warm up. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, looking at like, even just with, male athletes like how I'll approach one of them versus another one is is different just based off of who they are what their motivation is like who they are as a person like you have those you know certain athletes who just want to know the why of everything like okay why do why am I doing this and why am I doing that and then you have some athletes that are just like tell me what to do and I'll do it um and they want to be like pushed so hard and I have some females that are exactly like that too so it's like you know I think it's just my biggest tips and points would be like get to know the athlete um, you know, your, your job is to coach that person and have that individual touch. So they don't see you saying the exact same thing, even though there's similar cues and everything like cues are cues. You can choose whatever cues you want to kind of get through the athlete. And there's, there's tons of information out on the, on that. And some people that do that way better than I do in terms of cueing and, and all of that. But my big thing has always just been like, okay, who am I talking to? You know, what, what's their motivation? what are they, you know, what's their situation today? Um, and just approach it from an individual approach. And I think like that, that's been successful for me. I mean, maybe people, other people kind of approach the male and female differently, but for me, I just look at, okay, who am I dealing with? 
you know, what are their biggest challenges? How do I need to speak to them? Uh, and just kind of approach it that way. Yeah, I love that. That's so massive. And you're right, like all of our headspaces are different, right? So the way that I would take in information is completely different than the girl or guy next to me, right? Totally. So that's that's super important. I think um, that's a good thing for coaches to know and, and not really separate on the basis of sex, but more so like there's so much information coming down the line and I almost feel bad because it's coming at such an exponential speed for female athletes that it's going to be really difficult for coaches to kind of absorb all of that and, and take it in and be able to interpret it and actually put an action plan together. So my, I would agree with that advice. Maybe don't focus it so much on that, but more so the, what does the athlete need? Yeah. And like, obviously, as you know, there's, there's some physiological differences that we need to pay attention, like the cycle thing that we just talked about. And, and, you know, even just like the way that we move and, and, you know, particular um, physiological differences um, in males and females, like just in terms of like, you know, more knee issues with, with women and jumping. And so it's just, just stuff like that, that obviously you need to pay attention to. Um, but I think again, like the biggest thing is like, okay, know the, know the person that you're talking to and, and kind of adjust your, your conversation around that and your coaching around that. Yeah. So I kind of like sifted through and I see like BioSteel's doing like women's camps and I'm sure Under Armour, it looks like they're doing a lot towards women and you and Kate are uh, starting a new program too. Do you want to talk a little bit about those things? Yeah, absolutely. I've been fortunate to, you know, pair with some amazing companies and uh you know i as i mentioned earlier in the podcast you know my my mentors have like both been men and so it's not that i didn't want female mentors um it's just at the time there there wasn't there wasn't someone that i could reach out to that i saw that was doing what i wanted to do so you know for me um over these last couple of years the big thing that's been really important for me is kind of connecting more with women who who are in the sporting industry and I actually met Kate Burness, who's like my best friend now through um, BioSteel. We we're both ambassadors for them. And um, we met at a women's day and we just kind of hit it off. And we were like, you know, she actually hired me as her nutritionist. That's how we started, you know, sort of our friendship. And then it just, we just had so much in common in terms of like, she was a pioneer and, you know, sort of the, the women in, 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 um, broadcasting sports broadcasting so it was like you know we had a lot of parallels that way and she's like a health and fitness nut so um we were like you know what women are really you know not focusing as much as they could on taking care of their own health and especially trying to get a, get ahead in like the sports industry where it is quote unquote that male dominated industry it's more about just you know okay like again, bringing out those, those female attributes that are going to be beneficial and then taking care of their own health. I think like women in general try to wear so many hats, you know, like uh, taking care of the home, kids, you know, like um, being a good wife or partner or, or whatever. And so it's, it's, you know, taking all of that and knowing that it's okay to like, and it's not being selfish. It's just being realistic that you need to take care of your body before you give to others. And I think like the reason that I've kind of focused um, my stuff on women in sport is because, you know, again, a lot of women do feel that they need to, you know, wear all those hats and then also act like their male coworkers. And so Kate and I created Her Strength Canada, which is essentially a women's event and we're going to do some some different things with it down the road here but it's a women's event that that focuses on you know bringing in women who i look up to some some um peers one of them then my friend mel who we're doing a recovery program together that um 
is coming out shortly. So she's a chiropractor and, and we've been working together in Gary's um, program for a while. And, and we just like, again, like just mesh in terms of our, um, you know, our values and, and what we do in terms of recovery. So, um, so what we saw is just like, there was, there was kind of that whole of like supporting women who really wanted to like get after it in business but also, you know, balance wearing those other hats. So taking care of their bodies, taking care of the people around them and knowing that it's okay to put your health first. And so her strength is really focused on building up her strength. And so, you know, whether that's again in all areas of your life. So we had a, um, a very, uh, uh, amazing sports sports psychologist as part of it and then we had um, Mel she was on the panel and then we had um, Jaina Hefford she did the the kind of keynote which was based around again her experience as a female athlete and, and kind of some of the things that she's gone through and supporting women in sport as much as possible and, and kind of getting the message out that you know it is okay for us to you know go hard and and in all aspects of our life and, and to really focus on that foundation of being healthy. Um, so, and then with Under Armour and BioSteel, it's just been, it's been great because it's just like support. I under, like I, you know, support what they do as companies. And, and so it's been, uh, it's been great to, to kind of align with, with companies like that in, in that support. That's so amazing. And like, I get like jittery just thinking about the, those types of things. Cause you're right. There's, I mean, I think it's getting better now, but even for, I, you were one of the first people that I reached out to and it was like, how are you doing these things? And how did you get to where you are? And um, it is quite male dominated, obviously, but that does not mean that it has to be and that there isn't a massive opportunity for females. And just hearing these names, you know, going up and speaking is so awesome. And that, underlying notion to all women like you don't have to be everything to everyone and you're nothing if you don't take care of yourself first right absolutely and you know i i'm still guilty of this today i'm such a giver and i wouldn't be in the position that i'm in if i didn't give all the time but like now i'm like i said i'm like you know super conscious of how i'm feeling how i'm sleeping how, how i'm recovering from my workouts because i just i've i've crashed before and i don't like you know i'm unfortunately have have learned those lessons but you know my my mission is to help women not have those major you know stress events and and things that happen in their life where they're like i can't do this anymore i can't wear all these hats because i'm not taking care of my own body and you know like i <laughs> i get my workouts in like it's like I, there's no excuse. I have a sleep routine, you know, but I also am trying to kill it in business too. And that's okay. You know, so there's some things that are going to be better some days than others, but you know, it just comes down to being like, you know, I, I, I can do these things. I just have to, you know, approach it in a way of taking care of like my house first, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and I know you, you get that for sure. Definitely. And like just so many tricks of the trade to like get there. So if you're passionate about being a woman in business or making sure you're getting your workouts in, like what could you offset off the table so you don't feel so overwhelmed all the time? Like meal delivery service, HelloFresh, all of these types of things, or totally. getting a cleaning lady. Like that has changed lives oh for some gosh. of my patients. I miss my cleaning lady right now. <laughs> I know. I'm just kind of like letting things simmer and then doing like a weekend cleanup. But um, yeah, if you know exactly what you want and you're going to go 
after it, then some allowances have to be made for the things that can be dropped because it's not your job to do absolutely everything all of the time, you know, and even asking like kids to start making their lunches a little bit more, asking your husband and being very direct with what you need to say, I need this, this and this done because I'm doing this, this and this because I'm killing it, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. It's just like, you know, again, understanding that some balls are going to drop in certain areas sometimes, but, you know, knowing what you need to do to take care of yourself in order to be able to like give in all those other areas. And I, I think that that's the biggest kind of wake up call for me as, as a person and as a coach and, and who I'm dealing with. It's like, no, like they can't give all the time if you, if you're constantly taking from yourself all the time. Yeah, nothing left at the end of the end, oh, end of the tank. I've hey? been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people have, and that seems to be like the main issue a lot of times that I spe- see with women is that the tank is empty and they're still giving these last remnants of themselves. And so there's so many things obviously that we can do to help that, but pre- prevention is obviously way easier than bringing somebody back from the depths of burnout. One hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with the podcast, I know when I first started, like, obviously a little bit nervous to share my voice, obviously a little bit nervous to say the wrong thing or, you know, put myself out there for potential criticisms. And those are all like the negative things. There's a million positive things that I had I thought about and have experienced so far with podcasting. But what was your experience like or what have you learned a little bit along the road? Yeah, I mean, we we've kind of like, you know, like died off a little bit with our podcast just because we have so many things going on right now. Um, But we've been at it from like three years now. And so, you know, when we started the podcast, it was more so like um, Adrian, my partner was going through um, an illness and he had more time because he wasn't training. He's a MMA or was an MMA professional MMA fighter at the time. Um, He's since retired, but um, he was, it was a big wake up call because he, you know, as an athlete, he, train twice a day and you know you work with MMA fighters you know the schedules and like the time that's put into training so he had a lot of extra a lot of extra time and we had been working with athletes and kind of going all out and uh, so when we started the podcast it was really to just like have conversations with people and record it who we thought you know again were had similar values and aligned with what what we were doing and we had so many connections in the health and wellness field um you know with athletes and and um you know different professionals that we wanted to to talk to and so our biggest thing i mean when we started out again podcasts is like everybody has podcasts and it and it's great and i'm like a podcast junkie myself and we both loved listening to them but we found that like and there's way better podcasts now in the health and wellness field but we found that they were more of that like kind of interview like book launch type conversations where it was like you have a book and you would hear the same person on the same podcast all the time so our big thing was like hey we, you know we don't care that you have a million followers or whoever like we're gonna interview people that we find interesting and we know have something have something to say. So like one of our first guests was one of our very best friends who's like a very successful businessman and he has so much to offer and we have these amazing conversations with him over wine anyway. So we were like, we're going to, you know, just like interview him. And so our big thing was like, yes, we want to have like those people who have books coming out and who are notable in the community and like, you know, famous on social media or whatever it is, but we also want to support the people who are 
again, like just have amazing messages and doing great things and bringing that, you know, health and wellness um, conversation into what they're currently doing. And so um, our biggest lessons has been consistency. And I know I'm saying that now saying that we haven't been that consistent lately. Um, but in the beginning, like twice a week, we would do a biosteel breakdown and we would do a guest. And so twice a week, it went out every week for two years. And we did that consistency for two years. And so it built up, we have, you know, like just amazing feedback and stuff all the time and people are really missing it, which is so amazing to hear. Um, but we just have had to take a step back just because of these other projects um, that we've, we've been working on. But consistency has been the biggest thing. And to, to honestly, like, you know, I think for me, I love one-on-one -on -one and small group conversations because I'm an introvert. So like it was the perfect platform for me. Um, and I, I really encourage people um, who, you know, do like having that one-on-one -on -one or group conversation. Um, you know, I, I do big talks now, but they terrified me when I first did it. Um, and this was like such an awesome, because I love connecting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And so I think like for anyone who's starting, just know that you have to be a great listener. You don't just talk at people, you know, like it's like one of those big lessons that, I, that we kind of like, oh, you know, the good podcasts are people who, really take the time to listen to their guests and feed off their guests and you're doing a great job by the way so, oh thanks <laughs> yeah no it, but it is it's like you know really knowing that you know part of it is listening and it's a conversation and it's not necessarily just like interviewing mm -hmm. yeah and i think like if you listen well i've only done probably you know under 10 at this point but it's each one you get a little bit better and you get the vibe oh. a little bit more and um it just kind of escalates from there and i'm sure you would agree that the conversations that you get to have with people i feel the exact same way the one-on-one -on -one, and there's going to be like one piece of information that comes from this that somebody listens to that like it could change their life right 100 percent. and like we've had like again like you know a barbershop owner and like it was like one of our favorite podcasts and it was like he wasn't in the health and wellness field but he had so much to offer there um you know in terms of just like life and like living his life and what he's tried for health and wellness so it's it's like you'll be surprised you know at the conversations that you have and i've learned so much from the people we've had on it's like crazy i think it's changed my life in terms of the way that i communicate yeah, I would agree for sure. There's everyone has a story and each story is so amazing. And um, I think even fortunately enough with athletes, like their backstory is a game changer. When you hear the adversity that they've overcome or like the injuries that you made it through, which shaped your career is just fascinating to me, you know? Totally. It's so, it's awesome. It's, it's like just so refreshing to have those conversations and, you know, get to the like real stuff as opposed to be like, you know, how did you make that game work? And they don't want to, they don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, I could probably ask you a million questions. You're such a wealth of knowledge and definitely like an inspiration for, you know, young women trying to make it in this industry for sure. So I would extremely encourage anyone to go follow your stuff. And um, I always end the podcast with one question of, I think we'll specify this one to females trying to make it in this industry. Do you have like one tip that you would give them? Yeah, it seems very cliche, but to sum up what I went off about earlier, uh, just be yourself. Bring out your female qualities. Don't try to be like your male counterparts. Just just be you. And and those when you do that, people will recognize that and they'll trust you and they'll know that you're authentic if you are just yourself. 
Yeah, that's the same advice you gave me. And I it, I definitely held on to it because the authenticity is, is difficult sometimes when you're trying to fit this mold, but there is no mold. You can make your own, right? Totally. And, it, and it's a very interesting time with social media and there's so many people doing similar stuff. And, you know, I get caught up in it sometimes too with the comparison and, and like, you know, thinking that we have to be like other people um, because it's working for them. But that's the biggest difference is that it's working for them because it's, it's their approach on things and it's their story. And you have a different story than I have, than I do. And so it, it's like, you know, it doesn't mean that we can't have, you know, similar clients or similar approach or whatever it is it's just like hey we're both like doing our thing and you know I think if you look at it that way it um it will just make you shine in that area because we can all support each other doing similar things and it's um it's a really awesome space to to be in right now you know so especially with what's going on in the world so yeah it's, definitely. Uh, yeah it's awesome I love that um when I reached out to you, you were so open and, and willing to share information. Are you kind of open to sharing your um, social media with everyone if they wanted to reach out to you? Yes, absolutely. Please do. I try to respond to every single one of my DMs. So um, I, uh, I would love, yeah, I would love any, any questions that you guys have. And, and uh, yeah, I really want to thank you because, you know, it's, it's awesome to, to see what you're doing. And, and like I said, there were not a lot of females when I was starting out that we're doing similar things. So, you know, I think it's just awesome your approach and I, and I just know that obviously you're, you're going to and are very successful with, with this approach. So we need more people like you, that's all. Thanks, yeah, no, that's so encouraging and it and makes you wanna keep going for sure. Where could people find you at? Um, so I have a website, sylvietatra.com and the probably easiest way um, to find me, like everyone these days is through Instagram. Um, I, like I said, I try to answer all of my DMs. I have a Facebook page as well, but I'm not as active. And I also have a Twitter also haven't used that in a while. So <laughs> it's mainly, it's mainly Instagram and, uh, and sort of like my website as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it so much. I know you have a lot on the go there, but, um, thanks for spending the time with me. Thank you so much. This was fun. Awesome.